Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 11, it says, And he, talking about Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipment, this is the purpose for it, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Did you, as you walk through life today, as you walk through your day, did you see yourself as a saint? Did you see yourself as a saint? See, we've got to see ourselves according to how the Bible says we are. Think about that. The Bible calls us saints. I was raised in a, you know, a religion where, you know, the saints, I mean, that was like, these are these holy people, you know, these were these special breed. This wasn't just your ordinary, everyday Christian. Well, praise God. Are you just an ordinary, everyday Christian? No, you're a special breed. I guess an ordinary Christian would be someone that they say they believe in him, but then they don't let him be him in and through their life. But those that let him be him in and through their life, there ain't nothing ordinary about them. They're awesome. They're they're as awesome as he is because it's his awesomeness that's coming through their life. So we're saints. Say, I'm a saint. I'm a sanctified, set-apart one. I'm set apart for God's purposes. I let Jesus be Jesus in and through my life. Hallelujah. Man, you're a saint. You're saintly. See, if we see ourselves as a saint, then it's easy to act like a saint. Because the Bible says, as a man believeth in his heart, so is he. See, what you believe about yourself has a lot to do with how you, how you live your life, how you act, how you behave. So it's very important. If, if you want to behave right, if you want to behave in line with God's word, then you've got to see yourself as the word of God says you are. See, there's a lot of folks, they don't see themselves as the word says they are, and they're trying to be holy. They're trying, you know, to be saintly. They're trying to live the right kind of life, do the right things, avoid the bad things. But the way to do that is to get a vision. Get a vision of what the Bible says you are. Get that picture. Get that image of the Word of God on the inside of you. See that. Renew your mind with it thoroughly so you see yourself as the Word of God says you are. And as you think it, you believe it, and then you just be it. You just do it. It flows. See, that's why he says over in Galatians... He says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. A lot of folks are trying, I'm trying, I'm struggling with the flesh, I'm struggling with the flesh. Well, why are they struggling with their flesh? Because they see themselves as a flesh creature. They don't see themselves as a saint. They don't see themselves as the righteousness of God. They don't see themselves free indeed in Christ Jesus. They don't see themselves as the word of God says they are. They don't see themselves as one spirit with the Holy Spirit. 
One spirit with the Lord. They don't see themselves that way. So, so they're struggling with the flesh because they're being fleshly minded. And the more you focus on a problem to try to get free of the problem, the more bound by the problem you become. Because all you see is the problem. So you can't just see the problem. You've got to focus it on the answer. You've got to see Jesus. You've got to see the Lord. And it's just by seeing him. It's by beholding him. It's by getting that image of him in your life that's going to cause you to be everything he is in life. That's how it works. Praise God. Say I'm a saint. Hallelujah. Now, hold your place there. We might not come back to it, but 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. See, because there's a, there's a, there's a what I'm saying here is, is you gotta, we got to get a hold of this. We're, gonna, we're not going to focus on the problem. We're going to focus on the answer. He is the answer. We focus in on him by focusing on his word. All right? Because the word describes him to us. The word describes him to us. So, so we look at this description of him and we focus in on this description of him knowing that he is in us and then that allows him to be himself in us and through us. You know, just like that time, uh, you know, I was, I was, you know, struggling <clears throat> with, with some things and, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, he said, you be a good Stevie and I'll be a good God. Don't try to be me, and I won't be you. So good. Amen. See, a lot of times we're trying to be what the Bible says we should be. Yeah. Well, the Bible is him. He is the word. Right? So he said, don't try to be me. You be a good you with your eyes on me. So Keep your eyes on me, not on the problem. Not on the flesh. Keep your eyes on me. Just be a good you with your eyes on me. On Jesus. On the word. And Jesus, the word, will be manifest in your mortal body. In your flesh. In your life. Isn't that powerful? It's so easy. People stumble over it all the time. It's just keeping our eyes on him. I think Peter is a perfect illustration of that, right? Peter gets out of the boat to go walking on the water with Jesus. He goes out there walking to Jesus. And then... All of a sudden, the winds kick up the waves, and the waves are getting, you know, wound up. And Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, puts his eyes on the wind and the waves, the Bible says, and immediately begins to sink. See, what was, what was the secret? Keeping your eyes on Jesus. And then he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus reached out, picked him up, walked him back to the boat, and said, why did you doubt you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Little faith. Why did he have little faith? Because he only kept his eyes on Jesus for a little bit. And then he lost his focus. He got his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. So faith is simple. It's focusing on Jesus. It's focusing on the word. It's just focusing on what God says. Getting the image of the word of God in our hearts. This is, this is what the word says. This is who we are. We just keep our eyes on that and we become that in action in life. And that's what he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Notice that. But we all unveil face, beholding as in a mirror. So as we're beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, and of course the Word of God is likened to a mirror, as we're looking into the mirror of God's Word, we're being transformed into the same image. There's a transformation taking place. It's not something we're trying to do. It's something we're seeing we are. This is who we are. Hallelujah. This describes us. This is how we believe. I believe the same way the Bible believes. If the Bible believes it, I believe it. If the Bible says it, I believe it. Right? We're, we're, we, we agree with God, in other words. We're not, in, we're not disagreeing with him. We're in agreement with the Lord. Now, James says it also. Just prove this to you. James chapter 1. He says in verse 22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. So there's where the word is likened to a mirror. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 said, You know, we're, we're beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. And we're being transformed into the same image. So as we're looking, as we're beholding it, we're becoming it. Think about that. As you behold it, you become it. How many people know you can't walk around all the time with the Bible out in front of you? Especially when you're driving. Right? You can't walk around with the Bible in front of you all the time. So so how do you do this? You see, you gotta get that image of the word on the inside of you. You gotta keep it in your keep it in your heart, keep it on your mind. You do that many times by keeping it in your mouth, speaking the word of God. Something comes up, you say, what does the word say about this? What does God say about this? Keep yourself thinking in line with the word of God, and then your actions will follow. You'll walk in line with the word of God. Here, he says, a person that's a hearer and not a doer of the word, he's like a natural man. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Verse 24. For he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So notice that. If you, if, if you get your eyes on the word, but then take your eyes off the word, then you're not going to be a doer of the word. See, if you lose sight of the image of what you just saw in the word of God, then you're not going to walk in line with the word of God. You've got to keep that in front of you. You've got to keep it in front of you. He goes on and he says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. I love how the, the word of God is called the law of liberty. Hallelujah. In other words, it's freedom. God's word brings freedom, not bondage. Religion brings bondage. God's word brings freedom. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Some people want to walk in the blessing. Yeah. And praise God, you got to be a doer of the word. How do you be a doer of the word? By keeping your focus on the word. Keep your sights on the word. Now, a very powerful illustration of this is over in Numbers chapter 21. And this is uh, when the children of Israel, they were out in the wilderness... 
being led by Moses. They had just come out of Egypt, you know. And God had a, had a promised land for them, right? He had a land flowing with milk and honey. He had this, this great life he planned for them. And again, this is a type of our salvation. In the same way they came out of Egypt, went down into the Red Sea, and then were led by the, the Spirit of God and followed the cloud, the Bible says that's a type of our salvation. We came out of the world or out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the world system, out of the kingdom of darkness. We were baptized in water and in the cloud, which is the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they were walking out a type and a shadow of what you and I have today. How many people know uh, the substance is, actually, is, is always going to be greater than the shadow, right? Just like I can see a little bit of my shadow here on the platform, but uh, it ain't nearly uh, as good as me. At least I don't think so. What do you, what do you think? I mean, a shadow is, is, is pales in comparison to the actual person that's casting the shadow. So the Old Testament is just a shadow of what we have today. So you think about that. He brings them out, and what does he want to do for them? He wants to keep them in a wilderness for the rest of their life? No, he wants to bring them into the promised land. He wants to bring them into a place of abundance, of overflow. God wants to take good care of his church. That's his plan for his people. Now, there's some people that say, well, see, that's, that's heaven. The promised land is a, is a picture of heaven. No, it can't be because there's no giants in heaven. There's no Canaanites. There's no, there's no Goliaths, right? That, none of that's in heaven. No, this is about this life here on earth. And that's why in Deuteronomy... Again, speaking by Moses to the same group of people in the wilderness, God said that your days may be like the days of heaven on earth. Jesus echoed that when he told his disciples how to pray, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God wants us to experience days of heaven right here on the earth. Amen. So he has got this great, great life, great plan, that, uh, you know, prepared for them. He's got things all in order for them. So all they got to do is just follow him. Just, just be led by him and just keep their eyes on him. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep following him. He's right out here. He's manifested in the cloud, fire, fire by night, cloud by day. You know, they're seeing the glory of God. And then, of course, Moses is ministering the word to them. And so they got the word being given to them. And so they just got to keep their focus on that, keep their focus on that. But what did they keep doing? They just kept looking around at their problems. They just kept looking around at everything that was falling apart and everything that seemed to be going wrong. And a lot of it was panic and fear about what was going to happen. They, we're all going to starve to death. We're all going to die out here in the wilderness. Uh, you know, this, we're going to be victims. Our children are going to be victims out here in this wilderness. It's all panic about things that have not happened. And things that God said would not happen if they just kept their eyes on him. But see, they kept looking around them. And even worse, many times they looked back to Egypt. They kept looking back to Egypt. Well, you know, when we were in Egypt, we had cucumbers and melons and onions and, 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 and all kinds of nice things, leeks. We had all these things, you know, back there in Egypt. Oh, that we'd go back to Egypt. And they're longing to go back to bondage. 
go back to a life of sin, which is a life of bondage. So because they just kept looking at all their problems and kept looking back, these folks never entered in to the place that God had for them. And friend, the Bible says they're written as an example for us. Learn from their ignorance and don't follow their example. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Well, they get to murmuring and complaining and whining and next thing you know, these serpents suddenly show up in the wilderness. Some people know serpents are a type of sin and Satan, demonic spirits. And these serpents start biting the people. So the people are, are getting bit by these serpents. And, and it says here in verse, let's pick it up in verse 4. It says, then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. See, you know, when you, when you, when you get your eyes off, off the Lord and you start getting discouraged, then your mouth starts going. And the Bible says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. How many people remember that scripture? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So you've got to watch what you're saying. When you see your mouth starting to leak, your mouth starts leaking, saying bad things, that means there's a problem with your thinking. I like that. If your mouth is leaking, it's because there's a problem with your thinking. You're probably thinking about the leaks back in Egypt or something. That's why your mouth is leaking. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. You know, to speak contrary to the word of God is to speak against God. I mean, you don't have to speak against God, you know, by saying, God, you, and just say a bunch of, you know, blasphemous things. If you're speaking contrary to the word, you're speaking against God. Let's not take sides against God. Let's get in agreement with God. Amen? Let's just walk with him. Let's not fight against him. Did you get that? So make sure everything you say is in line with the word of God. Because you don't want to say things that are contrary to the word. Because, again, I repeat myself, you're speaking against God. And how many you speak against God, you're going to get in trouble? Yeah, that's right. God's going to get you. No. No, the snake's going to get you. Serpents will bite you, see? Because when you're speaking against God, speaking contrary to God, then you're speaking in harmony with hell. You're speaking in sync with Satan. So you don't want to speak in sync with Satan because if you speak in sync with Satan, you release the snakes to bite you. It's not God. Don't blame it on God. It's your tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Watch how you talk. But in order to watch how you're talking, make sure you're talking right, you've got to keep your focus in the right place. Keep your eyes on him. Say, I'm going to speak, speak. in line with God's word. word. Hallelujah. Other than that, you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to remain silent. That's a good thing too, folks. You just can just shut up. You can do it. You have the right. God gives you the right to remain silent knowing that anything you say contrary to the word of God will be used against you by the enemy. So let's not give him anything. 
Let's not, let's not give him anything to work with. Let's not give the devil anything to work with, but let's give God lots of things to work with. Let's, God, let's give God a, a, you know, our, our, the words of our mouth, speaking in harmony with his word, and we will have what we say. Jesus said, you will have whatever you say. So I'm going to say good things. Stop saying what you have and start having what you say. Right? In other words, don't just echo what you already have and what's going on and, and all the negative things going on around you. Don't just echo those things because if you just talk the problem, you're going to have more of the same. And we don't want more of the same old, same old. We want God's will. We want the blessing. So how do we do that? We speak in line with the blessing. We speak in line with the word of God. Can you say amen? amen. We just shouldn't be negative people. God's not negative. Is God negative? Is God discouraged? No, God's not negative. We shouldn't be negative. If you're being negative, you're being negative against God. Especially if you're speaking. You're speaking against God. Let's stay positive. God's working. God's moving, right? What is, what is one of the things of love? God is love, right? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us all about love. And one thing about love is that love believes the best. Love believes the best of all things, of all people. Love's believing the best. Let's believe the best. Let's say positive things. Why do you want to keep talking about people's faults in the flesh? Why do you want to talk about negative things about people? Stop, 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 stop doing that. Stop, stop going after negative things. You're following the devil. You're going against God. You're griping and murmuring against him. See, the people, they didn't think they were murmuring against God. They thought they were just murmuring against Moses. But they were murmuring against God. Because Moses was giving them God's direction. So they were going against God's direction and they were fighting him. And I got news for you. God's direction for all the people you meet in life is to see them saved, is to see them healed, is to see them blessed, to see them delivered, to see them helped, to see them raised up. That's, that's God's will for all of them. So let's, let's speak in line with God's word. Let's find the best in people. Let's believe the best about people. Let's get in agreement with God, uh, you know, concerning good things God is doing in their life. And build on that. Amen. So we can see even better things take place in their life. Aren't you glad God doesn't cast anybody away? He doesn't say, you know, that's it. You know, you're just, you're just too much for me. God doesn't, God doesn't cast people away. People cast themselves away from God. Keep, again, people run away from God. People drive themselves out of the presence of God. In fact, you see that in Genesis with Cain after he murdered his brother Abel. Murdered his brother Abel! The first murderer. How would you like to go down in history as the first murderer? He went down in history as the first murderer. He murdered his, brother's, his brother Abel. And then notice what God said. Genesis, hold your place in numbers. How do we walk in victory? Keep our eyes on him. That's walking in the spirit, by the way. He says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is walking in the spirit? Being aware of the spirit. Your eyes on the spirit are spiritual things. Your eyes on Jesus. Your eyes on the word of God. There's nothing more spiritual than the Bible, by the way. Are you hearing me? Yeah, there's nothing, listen, there's nothing more spiritual than the Bible, than the word of God. Nothing more spiritual than that. 
So keeping our eyes on the word. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The word is spirit. So if you walk in the spirit, that means you're walking in the word. So keeping your focus on the word and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Just walk in line. Didn't walk in line with the word, but keeping your eyes on, on the spirit, keep your mind on spiritual things, and you won't fulfill that lustful thing. Stop trying to fight the lustful thing and just turn away from it and get your eyes on him. But the more people, they struggle with the lustful thing, the more the lustful thing controls them. Stop magnifying the lustful thing. Magnify the Lord. The Lord's bigger, the Lord's better. The Lord's greater. He's more wonderful. Just start praising him. Start exalting him. This is how I fight my battles. I said, this is how I fight my battles. I, I praise him. I exalt him above anything else. And you exalt him above the spirit, above all things. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You look at the fleshy things, you say, what, are you kidding me? In fact, you won't even want to look at it. Because you're too busy looking at him. Jesus. Yeah, it's true. Be happy with Jesus. Can you say amen? All right, so notice what happens here. Adam, Cain, kills his brother. And the Bible says, verse 16, then Cain was thrown out of the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. You'll see that? Let me read that again to you. <laughs> then Cain was thrown out of the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Did you all see that now? Yes. All right, you all got it? So it's clear that he was thrown out of the presence of the Lord, correct? Yeah, see, see, I think even in reading it, at least 50% of you were reading it with preconceived ideas of what it's saying. God never threw him out. He walked out. He walked out on God. That's what he did. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. In fact, even this murderer, the Lord said, he, he said, he put a mark on Cain and told anybody that touches Cain, you know, there'll be great vengeance. Let's back up here a little bit. So, so he, let's back up. Let's just back up. So Cain kills his brother Abel. Where is Abel your brother? God comes to him and says, where's your brother Abel? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Nice guy. Doesn't he sound like a nice guy? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth. Did God say he's cursing him? God didn't say he was cursing. He cursed himself. He said, now you curse. What you did, you just, you just sowed something into your life, into the earth. It's going to come back and, and bite you. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever a man sows, that he also reaps. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you're going to reap corruption. That's what it is. If you go out and sow tomatoes, you're not going to reap pumpkins. Though I wish we would. I love pumpkins. But you're going to get tomatoes, right? You can't turn around and say, God, I want pumpkins. 
And meanwhile, you sowed tomatoes. I don't know why I'm getting pumpkins. I mean, I don't know why I'm getting tomatoes. I wanted pumpkins. And you keep sowing tomatoes. See, that doesn't make any sense. So people do this all the time. God, why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen? And they're throwing seed on the ground, left and right, while they're, while they're yelling at God. Why you? Why you? Why you? And they're throwing tomatoes all over the place. And then this big harvest of tomatoes come. Right? And uh, they're trying to figure out why God's letting this happen. It's like, well, because God's letting you have what you sow. I think it's very nice. But you get to decide what you're going to sow, and you get to reap what you want to sow. I think that's very nice of God, don't you? Yes. Absolutely. So you see, people are blaming God on that. And what they need to look at is say, what kind of seed am I sowing? What kind of words am I saying? Because that's a big part of sowing. It's our saying. Our saying is sowing seed. Okay? So Cain kills his brother. The Lord's asking him about it. And then uh, the Lord says, so now you are cursed from the earth because of sowing and reaping. From the earth, which, uh, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. God's just telling him. This is, this is what you just sowed, man. Do you understand what you just sowed? God didn't say, there's nothing here that says God's doing this to him. God's just pointing it out to him. Which is very nice of God. God should... Just ignore him. Say, you're on your own, buddy. But God's trying to give him a heads up. You're going to have some tough things ahead because of what you've sown. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment, which actually in my margin says iniquity. See, it's really, it's not the Lord punishing him. My iniquity is greater than I can bear. See, in other words, my sin is greater than what I can handle. We've got to watch what we do. You know, we've got to recognize what we sow, we reap. Can we handle this? Can we handle the harvest on what we're sowing? See? So he, he should have known that ahead of time. Now he's saying, my iniquity is greater than I can bear. Surely you have... Now watch what he says. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. Where did it say that? No, he said, you, you're, you're, you did it, buddy. You sowed into the ground your brother's blood... And it is going to fight against you. It's going to drive you out. I shall be hidden from your face. God didn't say anything about that, did he? I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. God's still trying to protect the man. Even though he's a murderer and he's caused big trouble for himself, God is still trying to protect this man. But then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. And notice, he, he blamed it on God. He says, he says you've, driven me from, you've driven me from your presence. No, you went out from his presence. God never drove you out from his presence. But that's, that's a lot of times people do. They, they blame it on God. They go out from the presence of God and then they blame it on God. They, they sin, they reap a harvest, and then they blame it on God. God, why? God, why? It's ridiculous. People do this all the time. It's a thing called pride. It's very arrogant. But in humility, we recognize, well, in humility, we take responsibility for what's going on in our life. 
And it's really, the sin problem isn't a big deal anymore. Jesus took care of that. Jesus took care of the sin problem. All we got to do now is just keep our eyes on him. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? And so in Numbers 21, they're out there in the wilderness murmuring and complaining. Verse 5, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. This is supernatural provision that these people are receiving out in the wilderness. If God wasn't giving them this manna from heaven, they would have all starved to death. And no, they weren't supposed to eat for 40 years. I would imagine it probably does get a little old. Eating the same thing. Isn't God good? God's a God of variety. There's nothing boring about God. I mean, again, going back to a garden, you think about all these different vegetables. You think about all these different fruits. You think about all these different foods, all these different flavors. I mean, I mean God could have just gave us some kind of dry, crusty thing, or he didn't even have to give us taste buds. It could have just been like fuel. You just put it in and get it done. Just keep going. Give me some energy. Keep going. That's it. Instead, he makes even eating pleasurable. Right? And he graces some people to make it even more enjoyable. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, some people, they could, they could turn things into, I mean, it's just kind of amazing. What some people can do with food. My dad was like that, you know. I'd come home. I remember several times came home late at night. Dad loved to cook. Came home late at night. And I go, I'm hungry. And I open up the pantry. Back then, it didn't matter what you ate before going to bed. <laughs> now you got to go to bed hungry. Or you get fat. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what happens. But there was a time that... It didn't matter. You didn't even think about that. So, you know, I'm looking in the pantry, you know. I'm trying to figure out what to eat. Dad come walking out in his pajamas, you know. How you doing? Good. What you doing? Trying to find something. There's nothing to eat. He says, why don't you go get washed up? I'll see what I can do. And there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing in there. Next thing I come back, there's linguine and clams and <laughs> clam sauce. And I don't know how he does it. Parmesan cheese. You want a little bit more of that? <laughs> oh, he just knew how to do it, you know. Praise God. But isn't God good? That he even cares about our eating, our dining experience. That's just amazing to me. Just stop and think about that. All the variety that God has placed in life. There's nothing boring about it. Life will never be boring in Jesus. I got news for you. Life, and can you imagine when we get to heaven? I mean, what are our taste Supernatural taste buds. Right? Supernatural taste buds, supernatural food, supernatural everything. Just trying to give you a picture of heaven. It's going to be awesome. But notice, God wants us to have a, a great time now. But, so they weren't supposed to be eating this bread for 40 years. I mean, it doesn't matter if they were, if they were making dough and making pizza. It didn't matter. Pizza's going to get old after a while. It doesn't matter what it is. So it had gotten old to them, but they still should have been grateful. Because God, it was still their survival. God was providing this for them. He didn't want them to eat bread for 40 years. He had a land of abundance for them. But thank God for the bread. Be thankful. Because you don't get any more than you're thankful for. You remember that? 
You don't get any more than you think. I mean, it's a great, just keep that in front of you. Just keep that in front of you. And so if, if you're ever, you know, tempted to gripe and complain, just understand you're going backwards. You'll probably end up even with less than what you have already. Because to him who has, more will be given. But to him who does not have or doesn't recognize what he has, even what he has will be taken from him. That's what Jesus said. So be thankful about what you have. And then you get more. That's how you increase. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, they whined and they complained. And the Bible says in verse 6, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Now, that sounds really nasty of the Lord, that he sent fiery serpents. But actually, when you look up the word sent, it could actually be translated let loose. Let loose. So these serpents were all, they were there already. But they were let loose. And why were they let loose? Because of their loose lips. Because he said life and death is in the power of the tongue and they're murmuring and they're complaining and so their loose lips have loosed these serpents to bite them. That's what's happened here. And so, so the Lord sent, well we know it's, again, it's the Lord's law of sowing and reaping, saying and having. So the Lord set that up. And they have sowed to the flesh and now they've reaped these serpents and the serpents are biting the people Many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. Now notice again, here is what God wants. Here's God's will. God's looking to redeem these people. He's looking to deliver them. He's looking to rescue them. He's not looking to kill them. All they had to do was repent, turn from their sin, humble themselves to be able to pray so that they could receive an answer from God. That's all they had to do. As soon as they turned to him and cried out to him, God was right there with the answer. And what happened? God gave Moses instruction. He gave him instruction. A lot of times, we just want God to come in and just fix it. But a lot of times, God wants to fix it, but he has to fix it through your faith. And to get you into faith, he's got to give you instruction. So you have something to believe and act upon. So you understand, God just can't do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. He functions according to the law of faith. He needs our faith. You understand? So he'll give us instruction. He'll give us something to do. And if we'll get in faith and do it, then we'll be able to receive the deliverance that we're crying out to him for. So a lot of times we come to God and we're praying about something. Don't just look like God's going to take the thing and twist it and untwist it and bend it and fix it and just that's it. That's the end of it. No, no, no. 
Look at what you're supposed to do. What act of faith are you to give God so that God can move on your behalf and fix the situation? What act of faith are you going to give him that will give him the legal right to act on your behalf? So we need to be looking for that. So he's looking for the legal right to do things because God can't just legally do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it because he has to stay within the confines of the laws that he's established. So the way these people are going to get help, he's got to get them into faith. They've been in doubt and unbelief. They've been speaking against God. They've been living contrary to God. They're talking, thinking contrary to him. Now he's got to get them to just do something his way. Okay, here. Moses, do this. Make a, a bronze serpent. Put it on a pole. Set that up in front of them. Look, just look right here. Look at this. Look at this serpent on the pole. Do that. Now, think about how difficult really that is, especially for these, these fleshy people, right? I mean, some of them have been bit. If they've been bit, what do they want to do? They want to run. They want to, they want to, they want to get treated. They want somebody to do something to them physically. They want, they, they're looking for some kind of physical help. It's very easy just to just panic and run. And God's saying, no, no, no. I want you to just look at this serpent on the pole up here. That's crazy. I'm dying. Margaret just died right next to me in the tent from the same snake. And, and now here I am, and, and, he, and I'm supposed to just stay. I'm feeling dizzy. I'm feeling weak. People, people around me are screaming, snakes, snake, there's one right by your foot. And you want me to ignore the snake, but what's that I'm feeling around my ankle? It's another one. But he said, if I look up there and I don't look here, if I don't look at the snake, if I don't look at the problem, if I don't panic in the flesh, if I just stand here and obey him, and keep my focus on him. He said, I'll live. This is actually God's getting them to tap into a principle that we just saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, James chapter 1. I mean, it's through the word Peter out there on the water. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the word. Keep your eyes on God. And sometimes it's not easy for the flesh to do that. But if we can keep our focus on him, he'll live. You'll overcome. There's a minister I know, and he was uh, in, uh, out of the Bible school that I went to. He worked in healing school. And, you know, they saw wonderful miracles. All kinds of healings take place in healing school. Just amazing things that went on. You know, every afternoon they'd had this class. People would come from all over the world to get into healing school. And some people came with real terminal issues, you know. And there were people that were completely healed. Not everybody was healed. But a lot of people were. They saw a lot of great things. And then one day, the Lord spoke to this minister and said, he said to him, he asked him a question. He said, what's worse than cancer on the brain? And he thought, well, there isn't much worse than cancer on the brain. That's pretty bad. And he said, Lord, I don't know. And the Lord said, cancer on the mind. 
That's powerful revelation. What's worse than cancer on the brain? Cancer on the mind. Thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about the problem, thinking about the disease, having that image of yourself having this disease and you're going to die. And you know, with the help of the devil, it's very easy to just keep that image in front of somebody. But again, the Lord was showing him that because what you set your mind on is going to determine your destiny, your future. So, keeping our mind on the word. Here, these people, they got to keep their mind on this serpent on the pole. Now, it's very interesting that the Lord Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Speaking of his crucifixion. So, that serpent on the pole is a type of Jesus. Again, a serpent is a type of sin, Satan. Jesus became sin for us. He became something evil. He became something devilish when he became sin. He didn't just take our sin. He became our sin. He became sinful. He became like that snake and was lifted up. But guess what? If looking at the type and shadow of Jesus would heal these people... How much more under the new covenant would looking at Jesus, keeping our eyes on him, heal us? Yeah. Ooh, hallelujah. Who's got the Amplified? Oh, good. Bring it up. Well, let's stay right here in verse 9. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. Let's look at that again. Notice, this isn't just a glance. We're not talking about someone who looks into the word of God and then walks away and immediately forgets it. We're not talking about he looks up at the serpent and says, that's really nice, Moses, thank you, but look at my problems. No, 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 no. He who continues in it, continues looking at it. Notice, when he looked to the serpent of bronze, attentively, expectantly. In other words, he's expecting to get exactly what God promised. And this isn't always easy for people. When people are going through a fiery trial, and they're going through something, especially if it's life-threatening, this is a difficult thing to do if they haven't practiced this in life. Now, a lot of people, thousands of people died here. New Testament tells us that. Thousands of, people, thousands of people died of these serpent bites. We don't know who actually survived it. How many people actually were able to attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, live. But I want to be the one that if I get bit by a snake, that if I run into a problem in life, I want to be the one who's able to keep looking with expectation at Jesus. And he is greater to me than what I'm feeling, what I've experienced. Amen. So, you know, just for fun, I'll share that story with you again. Some of you haven't heard it. But it was when I was out in Oklahoma and I was getting ready to move here. Let me just say something. Sometimes I repeat stories. And the reason why I'll repeat a story is because it's just a story. It hasn't become revelation to you yet. When it becomes revelation, 
then I might not need to speak it as much. Because once you get it, you got it. So just hearing a story, I know this story. Nice. Let's get a revelation. Let's get this thing down in us. Because this thing saved my life. So here I am out in this country home. I got the U-hole out in the driveway, and I'm moving to, to, to uh, Louisville, Kentucky to start this church. So I'm lying there, and in the middle of the night, I mean, it's dark. Well, it's not in the middle. It's very early morning. You know, I don't know what time it was. Five, maybe 5 o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden, I, got, I, got, I feel something on my leg, crawling up my leg, kind of like a, a serpent. And I shake my leg, and it bites me. I mean, it digs into me. And I shake my leg in, and it bites me. And it bites me two more times, running up my leg. And I just jump up, and I'm trying to see what it is. You know, I want to know what just bit me. And, and so I could tell the doctor, you know. And I'm looking, I'm watching, I see this black thing. Big thing go running up into the wall and just disappearing, a crack in the wall. And the devil came and he said, I got you. I got you. You're not going to start that church. You're going to die right here. They're going to find your corpse in this house. And, uh, and man, I went into a sweat. I started feeling weak. <sighs> and so I, I started speaking the words, you know. By whose stripes I'm healed. No weapon formed against me will prosper in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I'm running around, I'm trying to find my keys, you know. And I finally get the keys. I go out to the U-Haul. I turn the U-Haul on. I'm speaking the word of God. I put the thing in drive. I'm about to pull out. And the devil says, you're going to pass out behind the wheel, go off the road, and really be dead. They're going to find you in a ditch. You know, a nice Oklahoma ditch. They had a lot of ditches out in Oklahoma on the side of the road. They're going to find you dead in a ditch. And so this is all, you know, these, these thoughts, all these fears coming to me. And I'm getting weaker and weaker. And I'm thinking, okay, the emergency room. I knew where the emergency room was, you know, the hospital. So I, I'm getting ready to drive. And I just settled down for a second. I just got quiet. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, and again, I'm speaking the word like, like wildfire, you know. I've got the word of God coming out of my mouth full of fear, not faith. Not, not faith. And I said, and I got quiet, and the Lord said, you know, either what you're saying is true or it's not. No weapon formed against you will prosper. By whose stripes I'm healed. In the name of Jesus, I'll tread upon serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. Nothing should by any means harm me. You know, either what you're saying is true or it's not. That's all he had to say. I put it in park. Turned off the engine. I said, yeah, you're right. I got out of the car. I walked to the back of the, the U-Haul. I said, Lord, I said, I believe your word. I believe your word is true. And I said, so I'm just going to stand here and praise you right now for your word. And if, and if I die, I die. But I believe your word. And I just started praising God out there in the driveway. I got my eyes on him, started praising, exalting, lifting him up, thanking him for what he said was true, hallelujah, about my life, that no weapon formed against me will prosper, that I'm healed, glory be to God, thank you, Jesus. And every symptom left. Everything I felt, all the weakness, everything left. In fact, I even checked my leg. I couldn't even find a mark. And I know I got bit. I mean, it felt like when I, when I was bit, it felt like electricity shot through my body. Not even a mark. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, what was, what was it? See, a lot of people, you, you can confess and confess and confess, but you see, can you keep your eyes on him? Can you keep your eyes on him? 
can you keep your eyes on? If we keep our eyes on him and have the image of, of what he says in us, then that's what we're going to have. Can you say amen? amen? So praise God. Those that looked with that steady, absorbing gaze, they looked expectantly. They got exactly what God had promised. And it's the same for you and I. We're going to have exactly what God promises us. But here's the thing. We don't want to wait until we get into a major crisis. And I got news. Crisis has come in life. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But let's train ourselves to react in line with the word. Let's train in the little things. In the little things that you're tempted to whine about. Something about the groceries. Something about, some, you know what I'm saying? Is this some kind of petty thing? And you want to murmur about that? Well, how in the world are you going to handle the serpent bite? See what I'm saying? So we need to be practicing on every, every opportunity, every trial and test that comes along. We need to practice. We need to use our faith. We need to train ourselves to keep our eyes on him. Look to Jesus. Exalt the word above the problem. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Somebody say, the Lord, the Lord. is greater than, all. greater than all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand on our feet. Let's thank the Lord tonight for his word. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.